Lurking in the deepest recesses of the hateful mind is feature, please. A hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm your co-host, Peter. We've done 76-ish episodes. I Wait, 79. Jesus. Of, uh, How'd we miss our 69th anniversary? I know. That really should have been there? one we celebrated. Uh, I'll have to look back see what episode that was. It was probably terrible. <laughs> uh, it's Voyager. Of course it was. This, uh, if you're joining us more recently, though, this uh, this theme music that we begin and end the show with, that was actually created for us by uh, some of our fans, uh, specifically uh, uh, Ian and Sarah. We haven't thanked them in a while. We want to go ahead and shout out to them. Like, we put a call out for someone to do a crappy recorder version of the Voyager theme song, and they immediately delivered so that you didn't have to listen to Peter attempting to do it. So that's a win-win for everybody. You know, I was just thinking about this the other day that it's been a while since we've kind of talked about what we are and why we're doing this and, you know, how we love Star Trek uh, and we want to love Voyager and we do love Voyager when it's good and we are in love with the episodes that are bad because we get to gang beat them. Uh, But we don't really we don't we don't throw that out there often. And I feel bad for anybody who comes in and is like, this is all in jokes and what the hell's going on. I'm leaving. Um, but I think we're too late at this point. It, it's too deep. It's gone on too far. And uh, we just got to stay the course. It's interesting just to take a second to see where we are now. And deep Italy ensconced in Voyager. We're more than halfway through the show at this stage. You know, like we've we've really started to get into the meat and potatoes of, of Voyager. And. You know, I think our positions have evolved significantly in many ways since we started. For example, uh, I never before had considered how much Harry Kim is consistently portrayed as a horrific sexual deviant. We we had just posted our, our episode on uh, scientific method episode as of today when we're recording this. So that was uh, on the minds of the V'ger Police Trauma Support Group on Facebook. And there was a lot of discussion of what... You know, Harry uh, lingered uh, around the obvious pre-bone dinner uh, that was going on between Bolana and Tom at the end of the episode. And it's just one in a series of weird sexual things he seems to be uh, involved with, like going on a, a J.O. Uh, <laughs> fantasy cruise with his buddy Tom in the middle of the night, uh, showing off his pre-programmed volleyball sex bots, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Wanting to tie up his uh, cougar planets, sexual conquests. The fact that his his fiance is kind of a a child, a one year old. That fiance, yes. That he also he also has sex with a one year old uh, in the uh, would be future. Uh, a one year old Ocompan being a full sized adult, of course. But details. Uh, he, he's a he's a freaky dude. And everybody else is picking up on it, too, and I like it. Uh, maybe we should save it for the next mess hall we host, but Harry Kim's just a terrible character. And I think that he's probably going to get my my loser of the season award. It's like they just they don't know what to do with him. I think it was very clear that they were had full intentions of killing him off in Scorpion Part 2. That 50 most beautiful people award he got from Time or People magazine saved him, and it's just... 
I feel bad for Garrett Wang because this character's got no meat on him. And especially with the introduction of seven of nine, I feel like he's been pushed even more to the, the children's table. And I don't know how you save the character, but even sitting here and listening to people screw around and joke about these sexual kinks is more interesting than what you're actually getting out of the show for this guy. So yeah, that's the fucking tragedy. We have to come up with something interesting to talk about when it comes to to Harry Kim. I mean, the, the last time I think his character was genuinely interesting. Shoot. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. The The episode when he's kind of stuck having to find a way out of the worst space prison with Tom after he's been hurt and all of that. That was really cool. That was a, a, a great relationship builder for their characters. It was... Uh, a demonstration of what they could do with Harry is like you started out as the naive guy and turned into the fucking veteran kind of like what they did with Dr. Bashir in a lot of ways on DS nine. And instead he's still, Oh boy. Oh golly. gee Willikers guys. Let's go on a space adventure. I'm the new guy. And here we are like four fucking years into the goddamn show. He's the exact same guy. He's he's died and come back. And on a parallel universe, like he has gone, he has seen things that would, that should scald his soul. Yeah. And he's still, he's still fucking boring as shit. It's terrible. Speaking <sighs> of terrible. Ah, you did it. <laughs> I did do it. Season four, episode 10. Random thoughts. Joe. Joe. Yes, Peter. What the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> what in it's the okay. fuck did I just watch? We have it's seen okay, some journey. shit. <laughs> we yeah. have seen some shit in this episode, in this, in this series. I was not prepared. Everybody's like, ah, oh, Tuvix. Ah, oh, Threshold. <laughs> no, those are fine and dandy science fiction Star Treks. Random thoughts. What the fuck? <laughs> so uh, I take the hard left turn into psychological drug dealing featuring Tuvok turning on his murder gene was a little much. Is that what you interpret it as? Because I saw it as like anonymous, sweaty, gay street sex. I I I can definitely see where you could draw that conclusion. I don't was I, you might have read the memory alpha. I actually didn't. Oh, good because I've got don't, <laughs> don't look at it because I've got some gems I'm gonna drop on you. This was the craziest episode, like for real, man. Because like from the capsule we we read, it, I was like, okay, this is gonna be. What was the next gen episode where Wesley goes in the flowers angel one or something like that? Yeah, whatever. The one where everyone's wearing like a little bit of cloth over their, yeah, their it's like genitals. The Aryan it. nation of models and they're playing in frolicking angel one episode. Give me a second. God oh, damn it. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, no, it was an angel one. Whatever the hell it was. Uh, it was a season one. Um, and and yeah, it, at its base, it's the crew of 
the Federation Starship X beams down to a planet where someone didn't do their homework and completely glosses over the major infraction uh, that is, you know, resulting in death or lobotomy or something crazy over something that to the Federation is no big deal, like stepping on a flower or in this case, having a naughty thought. Yeah. So I definitely I think they were I thought they were going for like a drug dealer thing. And this, unlike a, the, this is a commentary on drugs in the 90s, was the intention. Sweaty gay sex in the back alley. Dude, you did not the, pick up on way. those crazy, vi- like, there is, this is Tinder, I'm sorry, this is Grinder. the episode. <laughs> uh, I will say, though, the, it, both Stevie and I could not get off the idea that uh, you went down to this surface with this race of telepaths with literally someone genetically predisposed to want to have murder thoughts <laughs> just just to hang out like it's this is even if you don't know that it's against the law to ha- have bad thoughts bringing balana into a diplomatic situation with people who can read minds seems terrible yeah uh, to clear up that was uh, actually justice from next gen season one episode eight um and again, same same kind of setup we're going to see here. We've gone over this before. Is it Neelix who is responsible for reviewing the customs and laws and briefing away teams before they head down to the surface? Or is this like uh, Chakotay or Tuvok? I mean, this role was played by, by Troy on TNG, right? She was essentially the cultural liaison... Uh, and had to educate her her crewmates on whatever civilization they were going to encounter. So absent a counselor, I, I suppose that duty would probably be Neelix. would probably be Neelix's. Yeah, he should I mean, probably the be as the ambassador. So we've talked and before may- that Voyager was built out a very specific mission parameter with its crew uh, that they were supposed to be hunting down dirty. Um, <clears throat> Cardassian border terrorists, a.k.a. the Maquis, and that there was just stuff they didn't have because that wasn't going to be their mission, like a counselor. So I will accept the fact there is nobody in the existing duty roster who should have been handling this stuff. We've seen Neelix handle this stuff in the past. And, uh, you know, New Jack Neelix, the the uh, or I'm sorry, the adept planet side barter kind of makes a little bit of a return here. We open with one of the worst city center marketplace mall food courts that we have seen in a while. Uh, hold on. Don't don't tell me that you saw this first shot and did not immediately recognize the last time we saw this. I'd be very disappointed. Yeah, if you it's didn't, a Skeevian you... little. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. obviously. It's the exact same set they used for the Skeevians. It, it's arranged the exact same way. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to give it like, you know, half a chance. We actually, t- to be fair, we open with some pretty cool exterior shots of uh, Voyager as we get a captain's log. I believe the name of this uh, alien species we're going to be interacting with is the Mari. Um, there's a quick scene in the transporter room, which I thought is pretty cool. You know, crew members interacting with each other to and from the ship. Uh, Paris is coming back up. He's got some beat up looking FedEx package covered in a uh, wrap that seems to be dripping with something. 
uh, that's a nice secret gift he got for Balan. The writers didn't want to come up with what that gift actually was, so it's a big secret. And he sees Neelix, who looks real nervous. I don't know what's going on with Neelix in the costuming department here, but it looks like he's drunk. Like it looks like he's been out partying. It looks like he's been sweating heavily. His hair's fucked up. I don't know if like this is intentionally trying to make him look a little more spiffy than normally, but he just looks like he's dirty and drunk. They have a conversation that I would call uh, endearing, uh, given the relationship that's developed between the two characters. You know, they used to be romantic rivals for Kess, mm-hmm. or at least in Neelix's mind they were. And now, you know, Neelix straight up says, like, I'm trying to score with one of these hot alien chicks down there. And uh, consequently, uh, makes Tom self-conscious about the fact that now he's in a relationship. He can't, you know, avail himself to what uh, Neelix calls the open-minded women of the Mari. I do like the shout out in the scene where he says he hasn't been with anyone since Kess, which is the first time we have heard the word Kess since the gift. Yikes. I know. Crazy. Yeah, I guess right? you're right, though. Yeah, I, they, just she's gone. Toodaloo. Thanks for setting us forward. Ten years out of sight, out of mind. It, uh, the emphasis he puts on Ben, too. I think it's they're talking about the sexy time specifically here. I mean, you know. It's a PG uh, show, so they've always had to beat around the bush a little bit <laughs> yeah. uh, on on what might have happened. But I think we're we're safe to assume a level of of bang happened there. So they beam uh, down to the surface of what I'm going to call Planet Fort Lauderdale, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I was going for more of a Clearwater vibe, but OK, fair enough. It, you know, there's there's several key locations in the Florida area that are, of course, faithful Skevian Courtland courtyard mall reproductions. And as you alluded to earlier, that's going to be the majority of what we see uh, down on this planet's surface. I think it's more of a of a of a uh, Clearwater because Clearwater is where the Church of Scientology is based. And there's a lot of those cult, look, you know, feel to it. Sure. So uh, it seems to. Seems to track here. This set looks so bad that in the memory alpha, normally everything in memory alpha is like articles lifted out of star logs and other like official mainstream media outlets where nobody ever says anything bad or disparaging. And everybody's like, yeah, this location sucked. This is our production game at its worst. And uh, nobody was happy with the way this looked. I mean, it's a straight use reuse of something they'd used. In the first season, I mean, yeah, it's it didn't look good then either. <laughs> so we've got the majority of the crew down on the surface, and it kind of reminds me again of the new Jack Neelix episode. I forgot which one uh, that was actually called, but uh, you've got the crew of Voyager trying to barter for goods that they're going to need on a long term. Um, per the captain's log, they're fitting in some R&R, and this is the first group of nice aliens that they have encountered in a long time. Uh, so everybody's down there trying to enjoy it. And we see Bellana and uh, Captain Janeway, and they are talking to someone who I identified as the anorexic spandex uh, telepathic bad guy. This dude is like dripping bad vibes right off the jump, which uh, was was some pretty good foreshadowing. Um, and just immediately I'm struck with like, what a terrible planet. Like, usually when you have people who are at all telepathic, 
there's like these very strict codes of ethics and rules and conduct the the way that um think back to uh what was the episode where the bad guys ended up running all the gypsies off and and putting them into like concentration camps and incinerating them jesus uh <laughs> fuck you know it's it's uh one of the balana sexy time episodes she has her sexy dreams oh yeah 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 remember was it remember? You, you, no, it wasn't. Yeah, it was, it was. Oh, resistance. Yeah, it was. I was yeah, remember. And then the guy's playing like the the blue ball guitar. Yeah, yeah. And then like she goes from I'm in love with my gypsy to murder all gypsies over the course of one scene with Senator Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. You got to just. Yeah. You, you got to remind me the right things in episodes. Someone gets murdered. Nah. Eh. Hey, it's a Bolana sexy time episode. OK, now hold on. Let me research that in my brain. There was like four of them. Yeah. OK, that's got to be this one. Uh, but those guys had like really strict rules of conduct about like, you know, we'd never go in someone's mind without permission and blah, blah, blah. None of that's going on on this planet with the Mari. They are up your ass off the jump with the telepathic probes and they are real underhanded with it too. Like the merchant they're dealing with, this guy in like the skin tight spandex outfit. He's like, I can tell that you really need this part. So I'm really going to try and, you know, twist your arm behind your back for maximum value. Like, dick move dude like way to way to really try and bend visitors over the table i did like the bit of uh conversation that the chief inspector has with tuvok uh i i, I however i had an unfortunate incident uh when they cut over to the scene where neelix is uh running his game on his uh his would-be Mari girlfriend. I call her booby blonde. Yeah. Yeah, definitely got her jacked into, like, some kind of space corset there to enhance the assets. Super low cut, and she is bending over in, like, every scene. She apparently also has got the uh, telepathy turned up to 11, because uh, we, we find out in this scene that uh, apparently uh, foreplay for uh, the Talaxians is uh, tugging on whiskers. Hair pulling. Because as soon so, as she said, why do you want me to pull your hair? Basically, I'm like, man, Neelix really is just a straight up masochist. And he just wants all girls to demean, hurt, kick, spit and pull his hair like. This is a real filthy space cat. Well, I mean, you got to put this in context of what they're trying to say PG wise, because it's it's infamous from DS9 uh, where Ferengi love to have their lobes massaged sure i mean who doesn't right and, right? and they get they get a tremendous amount of physical pleasure from having their lobes massaged mm-hmm. and so it's always you know they're talking about the size of their lobes and you know the size of their lobes is very important to them yes, from we a get masculine it, their perspective balls. right right and so like when they do this like oh you like to you want me to pull your whiskers it's like this is basically the show saying oh you want me to do you want me to give you a jl you want a you want a, you want a handsy? You want me to, like that's that's like what would actually be happening if this were the Orville, right? Like, sure, this woman would be like, "Oh, you want me to suck your dick?" Like, and it's like, oh wow, these guys are uh, definitely okay with anything. I guess they're happy to tug on Neelix's nasty facial hair. There is a little thing that goes on when the telepaths are invading the thoughts of the Voyager crew. We skip over to like a black and white. What if scene where we are seeing the desired thoughts 
of the Voyager crew member. Chief, I guess, law enforcement officer, like a chief examiner of the planet is having a conversation with, with Tuvok. And an interesting note is they switch between talking to each other and then communicating tele- telepathically with each other. Okay, so, so here's dip- our first what the fuck. Like, are Vulcans really this crazy, powerful, telepathic? My interpretation uh, of what happened there was that Vulcans are capable of communicating telepathically with another race that is strong enough to do that. Like, he has the discipline and knowledge, especially from training Kess, to know how to, like, if she's speaking in his in his mind, how to speak back. Like, if she's bridging the gap. But I don't think there's anything in canon to suggest that Vulcans are capable of doing that with each other. Like, they're psychically active and sensitive, but they're not that powerful. I would think if they were able to do that of their own volition, that when the extremely private conversation between Tuvok and Vork back in Blood Fever came up, that would have been telepathic. So here's here's the beginning of the what-the-fuck mania of this episode, where it's like Vulcan psychic ability really seems to be off the charts. Um, and with this character, what's this law enforcement officer's name exactly? Nymira. Nymira. What's the first thing you notice about her? She's got a weird little thing in her hair. I couldn't stop staring at it. I couldn't stop staring at that uniform because we've we've talked about these specific uniforms before. Uh, back in Next Generation, the high ground, that's where uh, they go down and they're trying to like chill out. And then there's like terrorist bombings and Beverly gets captured by the terrorist cell leader. And remember... Yeah, I remember that episode. Is the are those the outfits from the that? exact same outfits? Like it, it, it pulled me out of this episode immediately, and it was so distracting seeing this uniform reused from Next Gen that I didn't even it didn't even dawn on me who this lady was. You recognize her? I really don't. I'm trying not to spoil myself. Please tell me, Gwyneth Walsh. That's fucking Bator from the Duras sisters. No fucking way. Yeah, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Crazy. Wow, she, def- she definitely looks different without the Klingon makeup and also the teeth. And the boobies. I think it's the, f- <laughs> the booby window's I, I, not there. Yeah. I, the the lack of the teeth. The teeth makes them sound so much different. Yeah. You know? That I, I did not pick up on that at all. That's... That's cool. Uh, she is, I guess, the uh, the surviving actress of the uh, the Duras sisters. Unfortunately, I know that uh, Barbara Marsh died, I think, this year. Yeah. Uh, so there will be, unfortunately, no reunion of the Duras sisters uh, in the Picard show. Although I guess they died in generations, so it couldn't happen anyway. Yeah, but, but it's Star Trek. Nobody stays dead. I loved the Duras sisters, by the way. They were super good. Uh, I love the fact, fe- you know, we've talked before about, like, I to me, it is so rare to find a attractive female villain who is completely irredeemable by the end of their story. They always cop out. And like if if you're a pretty woman, but you're bad, there's always that heel face turn in the end and you get redeemed. And I think it's lame and I think it's it's disrespectful. I I always respect the 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 female characters that can go down dead as villains and. Duras were rotten 
to their core, to the very end. And, you know, to their credit, they destroyed the Enterprise D. Like, that's a pretty big feather in your cap. Um, and it was sad when I was reading the Memory Alpha because, like, there's some pretty disparaging remarks saying, like, you know, Baytor was two-dimensional and, and and that this character that she's playing here was, like, so much more fun to play. And I was like, I, I never really got the feeling that Baytor was just two-dimensional evil. She was just selfish and and, you know a dishonorable Klingon. I thought it was cool. I loved him. Yeah. They were, they served a, a needed purpose in the stories that they were in as clearly villainous Klingons. Yeah. As like space grifters, you know, like they were out for themselves to build like this em- empire for themselves. And they also had to deal with the fact that because they were women, they had to, you know, use the fake Duras kid or whatever. When that didn't work, then they just kind of like went to the periphery and started grifting. You know, and dealing with the PS9. fucking Romulans and all that other stuff. Like, I really did not care for majority of the Klingon episodes from Next Gen. Like, it's those are usually the episodes that I'd check out on the quickest. But all the stuff that touched the Duras sisters, I always really enjoyed. So... Oh, sorry. Uh, so well, this what, what, chief examiner Duras uh, was <laughs> having a conversation with Tuvok and Tuvok's brain. I don't think it's too much of a what the fuck moment because I've consumed so much Star Trek Apocrypha and read so much as a consequence about like the the capacity of Vulcans on a psych on a on a telepathic level that. I sort of just filled in the gaps of why that would be that would be possible on my own. So it didn't sure. bother me. But it's interesting to hear from you, somebody who whose neck beard isn't quite as pronounced, who like are like, what the fuck? And I'm taking a step back. I can see why it would be a shock. I think it's because in Next Gen you had Troy and there were other, you know, there's always been. I am a telepath first and foremost characters. And uh, Troy's a perfect example, though. I Troy is able to psychologically like telepathically communicate with her mother because her mother's a full telepath and she's just an empath, but she can't do that with other people. Yeah, she does Remember? it with Riker, her Mzadi. Like it's not telepathic communication. No, like, it is like a conversation, though. It is. And again, this is like. When episode did they do that? I don't remember it that. It might have been Encounter at Farpoint. So we're talking like super okay. early we haven't fleshed this out fully. Right. Okay. And if that's, that's might have been the only time then, because the only other time later on in the show is when, when, you know, Troy's mom starts coming on. Or Tam Elbrum. It's another psychically active person who's stronger. Yes. Then, than Troy. And Troy's explicitly not a telepath. Fair enough. She has the capacity to communicate telepathically with another telepath who can bridge the gap. Fair enough. So they're having their little chat. And this is going to be the beginning of a deep relationship of mutual respect between Inspector Bator and uh, what is unfortunately going to become Detective Tuvok later in this episode. Uh, But right here, right off the cuff, she's like, oh, I'm so interested. I'd love to learn from you. And Tuvok's like, well, hey, look. Uh, I'm real sloppy and shitty at my job. So, hey, rando alien, why don't you come on up and I'll give you the inside track on how we operate everything because, you know, fuck operational security. 
I mean, you're already reading my mind, so what the <laughs> fuck? Why not just go ahead and show you what it looks like? By too? the way, you want my security codes? It's been a while since I've had someone run a hot game on me with them. <laughs> can I can I call you Seska? <laughs> Why you humiliate me? I notice that's my fetish. <laughs> I notice. Uh, I sense the strong aura of an empowered female villain, that one that I have not felt in quite some time. Let me give you the tools to defeat me the way that Seska has before. Let me let me lure Beitor to the surface. Man, that'd be a good matchup, Beitor versus Tuvok. That would be fun. Uh, but we don't get any of that. No, uh, instead, what we get is that somebody ran into Bolana, uh, like physically, like bumped into her. Bolana, as she always does, super overreacts to someone bumping into her and like looks like she's gonna throw a punch. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, she didn't have a cup to throw at his ankles. And as a consequence, uh, this essentially uh, is the what is it, turning point of the episode. Because what happens is later on, one guy starts beating the shit out of another guy with like a, a baseball bat. <laughs> and a vase like it's fucking violent as shit. There is a lot and- of blood. It is very violent and very bloody. This is probably the most explicit on-screen violence since uh, people's throats were getting cut in the shoot. Space Jesus was was knifing dudes over candy bars. This is this is WTF moment number four for me on this, by the way. Um, and, you know, right up there, right in the as soon as this dude gets clubbed down, you've got Janeway at the forefront. Like, why did you do this? What happened? It's like, Janeway, you know, goddamn well what happened. You know, this is what happens anytime you let your crew down on a planet surface for some shore leave. Kess touches the hell mouth. (laughs) Uh, You know, Paris tries to smuggle codes off or whatever. He got wrapped up with the shitheads like this always happens. Oh, no, he was just trying to fuck someone else's wife. I I can I make a guess that the last what the fuck moment of this episode is when seven of nine basically becomes Peter manifest into Star Trek. Please tell me that's the last what the fuck moment on your list. That's a low point. I don't know if I'm going to call it a what the fuck moment. I, 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 we'll say it was a low. It was a low point to see someone saying exactly what you say every week. Uh, well, we'll get into all of that, but I, I want to point out at this point. We are still pre-credits rolling. This is probably one of the longest openings, if not the longest opening. It's it's over five minutes. It's crazy. It better be because we've talked for 32 minutes before <laughs> we've gotten to the credits. But uh, yeah, they they don't fire off the credits until after uh, the beating happens. And then Chief Inspector Bator comes back down and, you know, starts to investigate the matter. And to be clear, she says repeatedly, there's no violent crime on my planet anymore. There's barely any cops anymore because there is no violent crime. So, you know, she's really disturbed by this and wants to talk to everyone that witnessed it. Now, before we get to that point, Tuvok's got her up on Voyager. He just took her on a tour of the brig and we get this whole... Oh my gosh, I just can't wrap my head around the concept of a brig. Why would you need to restrain someone or hold them captive? That seems so barbaric. This is terrible. Oh, prison so miserable. We're so enlightened. And and Tuvok shares this real smug moment where we're like, oh, we're better than everybody. But you know, 
Tuvok, uh, I slum it with these humans, so we got to have barbaric shit like this. I mentioned the brig specifically because it's very clear that there's prison and jail and all that other crap down on this planet. Uh, sloppy writing. Ahoy. Uh, Bator starts her investigation. And this first half of the episode's kind of boring as shit. They essentially have Janeway and then Neelix and then Balana sit down in the super interrogation chair that not only helps uh, Chief Inspector Bator read their minds, but also record their thoughts, which everyone finds creepy. But they still do it. And they still and- do it. What what if Joe and this is this is this is where my mind starts reeling in this episode. And I'm like, man, what if this is like a shifty ass race of liars like we've encountered before, like the sad sacks, right, which was this huge, uh, treacherous, deceptive race that, you know, takes over ships under false pretenses. What if this whole thing's a ruse and you get nice guy crews that come by and you have someone stage a fight down in your marketplace and then try and rope the fucking captain of a starship into like a mind reading and memory extraction chair. Who, who in their right mind is going to sit down on that thing? Yeah. Especially when you are the people with all of the secrets about how your state of the art spaceship that's stranded halfway across the galaxy operates to a bunch of people you just met that considering they're telepaths might have like maybe a secret dark side to them in some way mm-hmm. or you know may not i mean it's every everyone they've run into has had it out for them so why wouldn't they be naturally suspicious at this point that they're kind of getting roped into some nonsense like red flags janeway ahoy. yeah why isn't Ray, janeway being like yeah we'll, we'll totally cooperate and then banger communicator be like, beam everyone up now. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you want me to sit in the memory extraction chair because one of your native citizens beat the fuck out of one of your other native citizens? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Toodaloo. Yeah, we'll be going now. Goodbye. So uh, they do it anyway because we got to have a plot to the episode. And we arrive at the obvious... I guess thing they're teasing out there, which is that Balana's overreaction to being bumped into that violent Klingon thought she had uh, was the reason why the other guy uh, ended up beating the shit out of a dude with a pipe. Not a Starfleet <laughs> pipe, but would have fucking killed him. God, can you imagine but, if Lon Suter beamed down to the surface? Oh my god! What a good I episode so- that would be. Yeah, like, oh, or that was their weapon. They're like, like, uh, if Lon Suter was still around and like two, I got a whole thoughts about like how Lon Suter could have improved this episode for real. Yeah. But like, if they want to like fuck with them, they just send Lon down there, <laughs> you know, and just like, just crash you their... for like 15 minutes and we'll just beam you back up. Just go crash their black market uh, economy down there. Um, no, the, the obvious turning point of this episode is the simple reaffirmation that if the local government authority has a uniform with a standing collar, then they are terrible fascists and you are going to be abused by local laws. So stay away. And that is like true across the board. Every single 
alien race that we have encountered in Voyager where there is guys are wearing like standing collar. This this thing always plays itself over and over again. Um, they decide that uh, Alana is the offending party. And wouldn't you know it, I, I hope you got the jail cell sound ready to go. You're coming. You're, you're coming into the telepathic space pokey prison, Balana. Uh, you're under arrest. I get that they have to do this because preventing Voyager from progressing homeward is often the plot that you have, right? That's the story you got to tell is Voyager is attempting to go home. Something prevents it from doing so. They resolve the problem. They continue home. Like that's the fucking lost in space shit that they have to do. I get it. I get it. But holy shit, like how many times we can get somebody thrown in somebody's jail so that that's the reason why you're all held up trying to deal with that problem. It's fucking old. And the fact that they have to justify this by allowing their main characters, bridge officers, the captain herself to be subjected to psychological examination and thought, you know, recording to get to this point is nuts. And the fact that a, the entire time they've all got their comm badges on and we know they can just get beamed up at any time because they have got their comm badges on. And then two, uh, like at no point does Janeway actually consider just like, you know what? Bye. Like as the decisions made, right? Like as she's having the conversation with uh, chief inspector Bator of like, Oh, you're throwing Bolana in your stupid fucking space gulag. Cause even she's though a, you a don't have Klingon. a space gulag, like we just made right. this whole big thing about like, oh, you're such a brute for having a brig and Tuvox. Like, yeah, but we never use it because when people perform open mutiny all over the fucking place on an episode by episode basis, we just slap them on the wrist, if even that. And uh, and yeah, you know, we're, we're just going to scoot them off. The amount of time and buddy buddy and like bragging that uh inspector bator does with tuvok oh you know we've almost completely erased all violence from us and we're so enlightened and this and that and i want the vulcan guy to like give me a pat on the head like never at any point does tuvok inquire like hey what was the turning point exactly where your society went from savages to like super enlightened and she'd be like oh yeah we banned all negative thoughts and we're like super thought police and then Tuvok would be like oh uh Balana's a lunatic maybe this is a bad matchup maybe I should have yeah, read like, the report you suddenly starts backing up into the henge you know like <laughs> all right guys let's get Balana out of here also any Maquis because some of them <laughs> might have a bit of murder in them smoldering catcher guy get the fuck out of here we uh we got to go. Let's just send down like the robot lady and that's all be that'll be it for us. Let's just send the hologram. That would <sighs> yeah, be the safest way to do this. Uh, again, it, it is such a, a an absurd notion that they're going down to these cultures again and again where there's a big circle on the floor that if you step in the circle you go to space jail and get executed or whatever and nobody knows about the circle rule. It's absurd. Why don't they just beam out of there? Why don't they just hit the road? This is the voice of Tom Paris, who knows a thing or two about space pokey prisons, and he does not want to see his new girlfriend, Balana, suffer down on the floor. 
So he starts trying to plot and scheme and whisper in the captain's ear. She's not interested in it. So he goes to his old buddy, Chuck Ote, who invites him <laughs> to sit down in uh, the captain's chair. And even he's like, uh, I don't know about this. Like, I thought that was a real iffy move. If you're trying to get on Janeway's good side, sitting in her chair might not be the best way to do it. And he's like, hey, listen, we can't let Bolana be down there and get lobotomized. You know, I went through that myself. It's not a good time. Uh, we we should plot in a way thing. And Chicote starts kind of jerking. I'm like, oh, yeah, Tom, that's a great idea. I'll tell you what, you get to be in charge of the whole thing. And then Tom figures out that he's just being encouraged to waste his own time. And then we start getting some really choice dialogue thrown at us. And it's going to come from Janeway. It's going to come from Chicote. It's going to come later on from Tuvok. The sentiment of uh, we can't pick and choose what laws we will respect and which we won't. That's a direct. Ah! That is a direct Janeway quote. And I heard this and I went fucking ballistic. I, I freaked. I freaked Stevie out. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was freaked out as well. This this is. This is so fu- Kenneth Biller. Can we talk about Kenneth Biller, Joe? Yes. Kenneth Biller. Kenneth Biller wrote this thing. And I, I've got a nickname that we're going to start calling Kenneth Biller. And it is Kenneth Bewilder. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. can't get a beat on this guy. He is. It's like it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That's Kenneth Biller. Let me let me read you his his credentials here. All right. Okay. Faces. I know I shit on it, but in retrospect, pretty good episode, right? Right. Jatral. I loved it. Elogium. Fucking garbage. Fucking garbage. Twisted. Possibly worst episode. Fucking garbage. Twisted. Initiations. Okay. Maneuvers. Great. I love maneuvers. Which one was life signs? Was life signs the, that was no, the that EMH was... one? No. Th- yeah. That was the Dr. Pell one. That was awesome. amazing. Tuvix, it's got its quirks, but I liked it. The shoot, fucking amazing. Q and the great, garbage. Unity, good. Before and after, great. Worst case scenario, loved it. Nemesis, trash. Random thoughts, trash. Like, this dude is all over the place. How can you write such good Voyager and then turn around knowing damn well what Voyager is? Like, this dude is 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 grassroots Voyager and and drop a line like we can't pick and choose what laws we will respect and which we won't like this. All the show has been for its entire run has been this crew doing exactly that precisely when it pleases them. All of the characters who are your main characters for this episode specifically have specific episodes where they have decided the rules only apply to them when they choose when they think they should. In fact, the last time you used these exact sets, all of these people were doing what they wanted and stealing technology and committing mutiny. I mean, again, it's it is bewildering to me that this episode exists and we're not even to the real crazy shit yet. Right. So Balana is locked up in this ultra pacifistic. uh, We won't call it a brig or a prison, even though she's being held against her will in handcuffs. So let's call it a a timeout corner. (laughs) Right. Uh, Janeway has said, 
I'm not cool with this, and I think I can space lawyer Balana free of this, so I'm asking for an opportunity to review all of the evidence that you have collected, uh, Inspector Bator. And Bator's like, well, you got one day while we recalibrate our glowing dildo <laughs> lobotomy machine, and uh, I hope you're, you're a quick study. So there's this false pretense, even like the fact that they're like, listen, negative thoughts are forbidden on this planet. And Jane Lee is like, well, we respect your rules, but <laughs> I foolishly think that there is some way that Bellana is not the person who had this negative thought. So she tries to have this little study club with Tuvok, where if you thought Janeway was a close talker, just wait until you see Janeway in a close study session. They're basically sitting in each other's lap, like holding pads in each other's face for the most uncomfortable uh, midnight cram session I've ever seen in my life. They start pouring over all of this evidence. It's it's kind of difficult to talk about this part of the episode now that we've laid out the major complaint, which is that none of this needs to be happening for any reason that they've given us in the story, other than this sudden regard for following this particular civilization's rules when they clearly violate everyone else's rules whenever it suits them. So they're trying to find like holes in this argument. And this is where the detective Tuvok stuff comes in. And it's him attempting along with, with Janeway to figure out ways to get Balana off the hook. And their main thing is they start to pick at the imperfections within the telepaths society, including that the guy who laid the beat down in this case, apparently is like a repeat violent thought offender. It's supposed to give them this opening that like someone else might've given a violent thought out. If this guy has clearly been exposed to violent thoughts in the past. So here is where I get really excited about this episode because they start laying down hints that the, the punishment for violent thoughts is you go off to uh, the lobotomy office and they burn the naughty thoughts out of your brain. And that way you can't act on them again to like erase, erase the impulse essentially. Right. How could the same guy have had four previous um, infractions here? Right. Clearly either he is a, some sort of a deviant, or like you said, there's a structure somewhere else in this society where he is being exposed to this stuff and it all clicks. And I'm like, okay, so there is a black market for, for violence or con thought contraband. And I bet it's has something to do with that shifty ass, uh, merchant we saw right off the beginning. How cool of a concept of this is this? And now suddenly I'm invested in the episode, which is going to be very painful when later on, uh, the episode goes super haywire in the trash. <laughs> I I don't think it, I just I don't agree that that ending is super haywire in the trash. I really don't mm. like continue on, continue on. I want I want to hear more of your perspective before I say anything. So uh, they're up there and they think they've got a pretty good shot at blowing this thing open and saying, hey, listen, maybe maybe there's more a play here than. You know, you would think I also want to point out that uh, Inspector Bator perhaps should be called Judge Bator because she appears to be the judge, jury and executioner in all matters. There's no greater legal power. And it's like your average beat cop wearing old TNG uh, episode 
uniform is able to just impose her will on any person on this planet or visiting alien um, species. Can we talk for a second about how pointless it is to, to uh, like lobotomize Bolana? Like, just get her out of there. Like, is the, th- is the idea say, that you don't want her spreading thoughts anymore? Just like, all right, well, you can, it's time for you to go. They say that they need to get access to her memories so they know the exact memory that was the offending memory so then they can treat the guy who is already the repeat offender. Like, that's that's enough of a reason that I'm like, okay, I get it. it is necessary to harm her in the process of this. My question, and again, another big what the fuck moment, like how can a society this brittle exist as part of the intergalactic community? You're telling me that any alien species that comes down to the planet, all of which it never dawns on you to say, hey, by the way, we're real sensitive. And if you have anybody who has negative thoughts or like strong anger impulses, they can't come down here, which it's the Delta Quadrant. It's basically the roadhouse of the galaxy with Kazon and Vidians and all the other nasty, mean, terrible people. If you come down here and you have a bad thought, it's going to send us into complete disarray like these guys should be completely off the grid, hidden behind a cloak and super xenophobic, because if the enlightened Federation super nice guys of Voyager are enough to set your guys off on homicidal rampages, then how the hell are you going to survive around sad sacks? And I don't know who was the bad guys last year. <laughs> Kremen and yeah. Uh, the the evil experimentation space elves um, or the Cleveland Bromar. like <laughs> <laughs> Truly the, the greatest threat in the Delta Quadrant. There's nobody the nice. Bromars. There's nobody safe in the Delta Quadrant. I think the last time we really encountered like an OK species were the uh, space truckers that Kess fell in love with. And they were 10 years yeah, yeah, the yeah. other way. So the space truckers. Yeah, it is ridiculous that this this brittle ass mirror Miramar whatever race would allow strangers onto their planet. And it's even more crazy that they wouldn't have like big signs saying, leave your nasty thoughts at home. Uh, otherwise we're going to lobotomize you. So just, just complete insanity. Right. Um, right. The court case on Bolana is put on, Hold as something terrible happens, something unspeakable happens, and uh, Booby Blonde, Neelix's oh, yeah. would-be girlfriend, is assaulted by an old lady and stabbed to death in the Skivian marketplace, and and is found in a pool of her blood by by Neelix, who we you know unconfirmed if he actually got his uh, whiskers pulled or not. I don't think he did. I think that's why he was so sad. So yeah, Booby Blonde, very dead. And obviously murder has upped the ante on what's going on. And uh, this is when when Chief Inspector Bator kind of gets sort of on Tuvok's side because uh, apparently the old woman had a violent, you know, had a violent thought. But Balana and the prior, uh, you know, pipe wielder uh, were locked away. So uh, in the not prison, in the timeout corner. <laughs> so they clearly were not responsible for for this. So the detective Tuvaking continues. Uh. 
<laughs> until they finally reach the skeevy dude from the beginning. And essentially, he pins down that this guy seems like the guy who might be responsible because he uh, mind melds with Bolana and finds out that like he on a subconscious level, she was aware that he was skeevy and it gives him enough of a hint that he might be the dude that is responsible for perhaps spreading uh, these negative thoughts. To be fair, I'm still on board with the episode during this segment. Uh, like you said, Chief Inspector uh, Bator, she comes up to Tuvok and is like, listen, I'm out of my league. I've never dealt with murder before. I got a lot of respect for you. I know you've dealt with this kind of stuff before. Please help me. There's no one on my planet that's really equipped to deal with violence, even though, you know, we exist in the Delta Quadrant and welcome people to our planet. Um, you know, how, how do I handle this? And he says, yeah. Uh, I'll absolutely give you a hand. Let me, like you said, let me talk to Bolana. Let me see what's going on there. And my impression from the mind meld was that the, I think his name is like Quillen or something, Quill, which is the merchant that they were initially dealing with trying to buy phase coils or whatever. When she got her foot stepped on and she flipped out, like he moved in, put hands on her, which we know in Star Trek, when you put hands on someone, that's like super telepathy multiplier. He stole the memory from her and kind of put like a memory block. in, so she didn't recall that exact moment. And as Tuvok picks that scab off, she kind of flips out and she's like, whoa, wait a minute. Suppressed memory, like bad touch. What the hell? And instead of being reasonable and going to uh, Bator and being like, hey, listen, I think you've got some more things at play here. He just goes off on his own solo he gets he pulls up grinder on his uh, <laughs> on his on his phone and goes uh to a nasty sweaty back alley. So uh this is when we get to what I interpreted as the obvious drug parallel, uh, which is Tuvok goes and has a conversation with the shifty guy, and the shifty guy immediately starts acting as shifty and guilty as possible. It is the sloppiest and- admission i mean lance i'm hard this guy wouldn't make it selling weed in the nice part of town (laughs) like if 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 this is a supposed to be a drug dealer he is definitely going to get caught and you should not buy from him do we have a hall of fame for like the most guilty people ratting themselves out immediately like lon Suter obviously comes to mind with like how quickly his house of cards collapsed but i i want to say that we've got a couple other real champions in voyager's history of people it's just like you look at them and you know crewman jonas jonas (laughs) i mean oh my god yeah there's there's been a couple others where it's just like you are the linchpin to all of this and like tuvok's like uh um Hey, listen, uh, before what you said about wanting my my nasty memories, maybe you could uh, buy my memories off of me. And the dude's like totally like should be like, are you a fucking narc? Like what? And, and Tuvok's like, no, oh, man, it's cool. And he's like, oh, OK, yeah, let's uh, let's go. Let me go monologue about this. And, you know, again, in fact, a, a black market for negative thoughts when when this race and again, this is like. There's cool stuff in this episode. It's just completely disjointed and unfortunately completely overshadowed by bewildering, crazy shit that does not make any logical sense whatsoever. Uh, okay, can I can I 
Can I tell you what I wish they would have done here? Yes, please. So part of the linchpin of the sh- of the bad drug dealer deciding to make a connection with Tuvok here is that he can sense like all this violent tendency and violent thought in the back of Tuvok's mind that he's suppressing. Mm-hmm. We joked about it before, but my honest suggestion was if this episode wanted to be in real continuity with Tuvok's character arc, those should have been the inherited from mind meld actual Lon Suter murder thoughts. It's real talk. When we Tuvok. got re- Yeah, that should have been real talk Tuvok back there. And I would have loved if that is what he ends up unleashing on them psychically at the end of like, oh, you want a piece of what I'm holding back? Well, I decided very foolishly to have a mind meld with a crazy psychotic murder man. And uh, this is the what he left behind. Let me melt your brains with some of this with some of this vi- uh, fine violent action. And I God, they really make you think that might be it. Instead, it's some fucking generic horse shit that ends up kind of falling flat. But I like the idea that Tuvok has a chained, like awful side to him. And that we talked about how like Vulcans seem to have a lot of like hidden, violent, rapey, awful tendencies that kind of gotten brought, you know, brushed under the rug. And this could have been some real explicit nodding at that in a way that was more serious than comedic. And instead, it's just kind of stupid. Which, to that point specifically, when uh, Inspector Bator is like, oh, Vulcans are so enlightened, great, and all this other stuff. And Tuvok's like, yeah, you know, if only these stupid humans could catch up, we wouldn't need a brig. I was like, yeah, I kind of seem to recall in Blood Fever, like, shit gets real nasty with you guys. So maybe get off your high horse for 15 minutes. Um, I love the idea of of what if, again, to. Tuvok is so hard to use in a way where he's interesting and and value add. And I think that having made him changed or somehow worse for the wear following the lawn mind meld, which was the whole basis of meld. And there was that other time that his logic got shut off, like that he has more baggage than your average Vulcan. And I think you said that uh, what's her name? Tapel from Enterprise. Didn't you say like at some point she kind of breaks and becomes fractured or or she has some ongoing issue she definitely has a lot that goes on with her vulcan psyche as a consequence of what happens in the show so uh it's 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 a lot it's not just one thing i get that they didn't maybe that's why they didn't saddle uh tuvok with with a deficiency you know spock's half human and not that Tapal would have been around at this point i think enterprise was still down the 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 ways a bit maybe that's why Tapal does have that as people saw that cool opportunity that they never really capitalized on tubak but yeah it would have definitely done this uh this episode specifically a major credit if yeah we we got some insight that tubak's carrying some super major baggage and it gets out unintentionally instead of the controlled release he does do but he starts this real two-dimensional dance with this guy about like Oh, hey, even though I'm the chief of security and uh, very clearly trying to free my crewmate from a bad situation as a result of your your drug dealing, your your thought dealing. 
uh, but hey, you know, I'm dirty too. Let me sell you these nasty memories and you can give me some of yours and we can just slip off in the alley here on a very hot, sweaty day and start touching each other's faces and it's going to be real swell. And that guy's like, <laughs> yeah, like that's what a junkie this guy is. He's like, yeah, this is a big rat trap and there's a piece of cheese. And when I touch you, it's very obviously going to be a Vulcan neck pinch that comes down and breaks my neck. But let's do this and get all up and 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 heavy breathy and real yeah I, I, i'm not I, exaggerating I, I, either this this is yeah it's, this is what happens tuvok pulls off at the side uh highway rest stop and wanders off into the wood and 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 goes and quote unquote investigates and then we have more what the fuck as if that wasn't what the fucky enough it gets super what the fucky uh the primary like drug dealer guy. He's got some lackeys who he was there to do uh, a drug deal with in the worst drug deal that we have seen out in public since fair trade. Where he just I mean, it is a society with no law like crime anymore. So they're just real sloppy know, now. But you can't, they don't have anyone to pattern themselves after. You couldn't go out in the woods or I don't know, behind a closed door. <laughs> like It's so two dimensional. It's just Tuvok looking from around the corner like, ah, damn, you got us. Um, It's like the society from Demolition Man. Yeah. Like people just come up to him and ask him if they can help. Yeah. You know. So uh, this this drug dealer, he's got a couple goons. And I I say the word goons very lightly here. And uh, he tells (laughs) them that, uh, hey, mobility assistance. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, uh, you know this is cool. This guy's going to hook us up. It's going to be real good. And, uh, they go off to exchange thoughts. Now, if you thought that dude getting jumped in the Skevian mall earlier and hit with the vase and kind of bloody around the head was like extreme for Voyager. Boy, let me tell you. Tuvok gives him a taste and shows him a bunch of rough stuff that, you know, like a little taste of the, the bad memories he's got. Wow. Wow. The the flash of the bad memories is like the, there's one of the nemesis guys. I'm pretty sure yes, is in there who were not really bad guys and have no business nah. being here. This is just racist ass Tuvok being like, these guys are super ugly. I'm going to characterize them as bad. And then everything else was like generically bad things and not actually like things from Voyager's past. You want the breakdown? Because the one thing I caught, I caught the Nausicaan looking. Uh, uh, I think they're actually called Craden. The, the Craden from that right. terrible episode Nemesis, which was a Kenneth Biller. Uh, I very clearly recognize the warp plasma explosion explosion from uh, Fair Trade. Remember how that drug deal went wrong in the end? And the oh yeah 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 yeah, and that and that's how. Uh, how uh, Neelix ends up uh, saving the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ribbon from Star Trek Generations, the Nexus Energy ribbon, which why the hell would Tuvok have any memory of that? There's Enterprise uh, security officer footage from Star Trek First Contact, which why would he know what the uniforms look like? Because that just happened like a month ago for them. And then how many times have we name checked event horizon well we've we've talked about it extensively at least once there are three separate visuals from event horizon (laughs) 
hell sequences, a screaming cut up corpse, that burning man. And uh, there was another one. And like I saw because that happened so fast. And I was like, why do I know these images? And it wasn't until like, are those actually from that movie? Straight up out of event horizon how the hell is rated r like what those are super grotesque images too i was like what the fuck i mean i definitely remember like they use some grotesque imagery but it went by so fast i didn't register it as actually being from event horizon specifically that's nuts it's like the hell scene when they see what happens to the old crew and like they all start getting yeah, like by- when they saw what happens when they went went through the warp drive yeah and when they like, go oh, through you, you- hell like there are hell mouths this is all real like they have joined event horizon into voyager they are shared universe now our suspicions have been correct this whole time joe what the fuck kenneth biller craziness this this taste isn't enough tuvok tries to arrest the guy and then his his goons show up again and face and they get into so a fist fight. <laughs> you ready for more <laughs> what just... the fuck was event horizon not enough this is a city this is a a world full of pacifists where negative thoughts are illegal this is the most limp-wristed sissy planet in the entire delta quadrant Tuvok. Tuvok is super strong. If you remember, as a Vulcan. If you remember Rise, there is nothing that, that Vulcans cannot do. He can be out in, in space and he can fight off everybody and bring them all to their knees. And like two dudes who work at the local Sears, basically. Some guys who sell jeans at JCPenney's, for all we know. And this is after like Tuvok turns the table with the mind molds like, oh, you want to get nasty? I'll get real nasty. Oh, I'm sorry. Before we even get to that, what the fuck? Let's do this. What the fuck? Where uh, leather daddy choke fetish Tuvok comes back. Did you did you catch that? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, we haven't seen Tuvok choke a bitch since his Neelix murder fetish simulator. And there you have and it was hard evidence. This is Tuvok's thing. It was a psychic choke, essentially, and you like saw the guy like going through the beating he was getting from him. It was a it was a fantasy choking like all the stuff we joke about, like this episode just congeals all of it. And you're like, oh, my God, it's not a joke. I I think I wish this into existence somehow. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) They're in this hot, dirty alley, essentially four way at this point. And this dude that 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 Tuvok's beaming these negative thoughts into is like very clearly like getting off on it. And yeah, Tuvok just starts fantasy choking him and the guy's loving it. And it's like, oh, my God. Eventually, it becomes clear that uh, Tuvok's weaponized this and he is trying to disable this guy. And then, yeah, these two like super sissy drug addicts for better lack of better term like again they look like dudes who'd just be working at jc pennies also too let me jump back these aliens these mari there is zero prosthetics on these guys i got so engrossed by uh you know the call out yeah yeah these are straight up humans there's nothing there's not even little like little things on the side of their head or anything to indicate they're this is this is basic Suddenly we're encountering humanoids that look exactly human for like the sixth time in Delta Quadrant. All the times I've said, why do the Borg not have like salami in their hair or anything? It's because of these guys, the Mari and who are the last ones to do it? They just they got a bunch of their colonies. That's why they all look like humans. 
end of story. We don't need to ask that question anymore. We have seen plenty right. of. I think it went and raided the candy corn tragedy planet yep. and, you know, and all the other ones like 100% it. 100%. That's human. where they're at. Uh, so anyways, yeah. The the Terminator walking destruction machine, Tuvok, who is stronger and faster and also knows all of the Vulcan judo ninjutsu, gets his ass fucking kicked by two nobodies in this dirty back alley. Like, what the fuck, number 16? And then he gets dragged off. I don't know what they do to him. Because I am just, my mind is reeling at this point. Uh, this is also running parallel to Balana getting, you know, slapped onto the operating table so she can be lobotomized while in handcuffs and then drugged. But that, you know, they don't have a prison. But a brig is barbaric. <laughs> and also Balana's like, I don't want my brain scrambled and I'm stronger than everybody else in this room, but a pair of handcuffs are going to keep me in check. And instead of just going rip shit mad also too, she's not happy. I'm sure she's like spilling out negative thoughts. I don't see any of the people in this building wearing like Magneto thought blocking helmets. <laughs> I was like, I wonder how many negative thoughts she's had ever since you imprisoned her for having negative thoughts. Like, I just like this, like beaming, beaming every like, nasty Klingon violent tendency she can she's to everyone like around. Chernobyl like, yes! at this point. She's just an, explore, yeah. an exposed nuclear reactor co- core shooting it off like it doesn't make any sense. Send her back up to the ship like <laughs> and then they comically discuss like how they might fuck up her brain yeah. while they start doing the operation on her brain like oh this is pretty hard. You know, be careful we don't want to fuck her brain up. You know like yes, no self-awareness whatsoever. Uh, but eventually the skeevy drug dealer wants to break into Tuvok's like most violent thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and and then, you know, while while bent down over in this sweaty alley with no personal space, he tells the guy to get closer if he really wants that. <laughs> and then and then like suddenly like Ninja grips his face and starts giving him the uh, the the Vulcan, uh, you know, the mind meld tour of his depravity. Uh, which unfortunately, like it's all this build up, all this build up, all this build up, and you're like, yes, give me some good shit, give me some good what do you shit. Mean good it's shit? Just you already Tuvok got Pete. Event Horizon. The, the show is true. As far as I just, I just needed, I just needed the cutaway to be that instead of confronting Tuvok, he's confronting Lon Suter. Like that's the vile. That like it's actually Lon Suter in his brain, and it's like, oh, you wanted to see what the the most terrible part of Tuvok? It's me, and then just starts whooping his ass with a pipe. That's what that needed to be right there. Instead, it was just, uh, you know, him throttling and strangling and again, choke daddy to Vox triumphant return. It, what the hell, man? So he ends up incapacitating the drug dealer and somehow shaking the other two goons off. Who knows? Whatever. Uh, They're locking Balana into this glowing dildo pointed at her head, which you are to believe is the lobotomy machine. And while they're in the middle of like doing this super dangerous thing, they're like, uh, Hey, uh, inspector Bator, uh, you got a phone call. And she's like, yeah, well, I'm busy. And like, well, they really want to talk. And she's like, okay, I guess we'll hold this whole procedure up after all. And then, uh, they call her up to Voyager and Janeway's like, oh, hey, look, we found out that there's a whole subversive culture on your planet that traffics in purely uh, nasty thoughts and that by making these things illegal, you didn't actually erase any of it. You just drove it underground. Um, And she's like, oh, you're right. 
okay, cool. Oh shit. Let me wave the magic <laughs> wand and 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 now you got Balana back. Uh, I don't know what the hell happens. At some point they drop the another terrible line that is incumbent on us to respect the values of where we visit. What since when? Since when? <laughs> like you said, man, what? The bewildering. F- Kenneth Bewildering, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we know what we're titling this episode. But uh, the final thought for me on this, because I didn't really give my opinion, is that uh, there are some, as you pointed out, really good ideas. Very interesting ideas. It's just the... It takes a while to get to the point where it's going to pay off and then it pays off in a way that's ultimately a little disappointing. Um, I'm obviously uh, not quite as disliking it as much as you, but um, I respect it. Uh, That said, we haven't discussed what my favorite part of the episode is, and that's the last scene. So we barely got any fucking seven of nine in this, by the way. She's in two scenes, one when she's pointing out like, you know. Why the fuck are you guys always so like not careful about interacting with other species? I don't understand. Fair point. And fair point. Good job, Seven. You did it. And then last is what I call the Peter scene, which is when Seven comes in who breaks and she is a perfect profile. Peter breaks in and we get a nice see the butt, (laughs) the booty shot. shot. (laughs) Got it there. We 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 booked it. Let me frame it. Let me frame it beyond the booty shot. The episode is over. Yes. I have never the episode seen has concluded. I have never seen this G.I. Joe ending to Voyager episode where it's like, OK, everything's <laughs> over. What's that? We got another four minutes. We got to fill up. Uh, OK, let's have some kids in a house and it gets caught on fire. And uh, we're going to have uh, Beachhead go in and save them. And it's going to end with uh, the more, you know, or I'm sorry, knowing's half the battle. G.I. This is a knowing's half the battle moment here. Episodes over. And but no, it's not. Seven booty shot. She comes in and says, hey, Captain, uh, you said I should be real open with you about stuff. Uh, so here it is. You're stupid. And Janeway leans back with her coffee like, oh, this should be rich. Go ahead. <laughs> and she lays out essentially every crime you've ever pointed out. Like you shouldn't be stopping for anyone. You should be going home. You should limit your contact with alien species as much as you possibly can all it does is fuck with everything you're trying to do which is go home like the the galaxy is fucking dangerous and you keep blundering ass first into every problem stop which it. to be fair that's is the exact same thing that neelix said to her early season one like first four or five episodes and you know, it's like you guys are screwing around too much it's real dangerous out here and whereas Janeway was like real shitty and curt with him as like, you know, dismissed this. She just leans back smiling. It's like, no, it's fine. And we're explorers and we love to get out there and explore. And it's so wonderful. 50% of the time. And then the rest we're in a fight for our life where I'm on the verge of blowing the fucking ship up and killing everybody on board because there's some terrible fate worse than death that we have walked into the arms of. Um, again, it's, it's a real ignorance of all the things that have come before. And it, it, it was so foreign to everything else in this episode. Like this is like a Y or a Z plot line. (laughs) It's not a plot line. It's 
it's some shit they tacked on to yeah. the end so they could they could justify getting Jerry Ryan's ass on screen and have it in there. <sighs> it was awful. And it's it was, I think it was almost like they were like, yeah, listen, we know this whole scene's like real weak and shitty and stupid. Can you please forgive us for what we just made you sit through? Like, we're going to tell we're going to have Janeway say it's real important that we go through crap like this for some reason and why we arbitrarily decide what rules we're going to follow and which ones we're just going to say, fuck the Federation, fly through the border and let's go to war with these goddamn people like. Man, what an exhausting, crazy bewildering episode what are we watching next week uh, whatever it is i hope it's got more shots from the horizon because that was that was wild i mean how bator how how did that fly under our radar man that's crazy it is crazy all uh, right we're moving into season four episode 11 and we've got janeway in some civilian clothes and tuvok what appears to be his old tuvix uniform and there's john reese davies with the phaser <laughs> <laughs> concerning flight yeah. while Janeway is visiting her boring ass Da Vinci holodeck program Voyager is mugged by a transporter they steal everything from the main computer core it's not going to get better it's in fact going to get considerably worse listen man year of <laughs> hell was so good I, I get it's created a good deficit for the rest of the season and they have to continue to pay the tax man I'm looking at my list. I see the next Kenneth Bewilder episode is going to be Demon. So at least I know that we're not going to be flipping the coin on on this one under his watch. But, you know, I will say this. I, I will say this. We, we, we frequently say that the worst Voyager episodes are the ones that are just boring and feel like a waste of time. Yeah, this was not fucking boring. <laughs> this was so fucking crazy and wild and out there like from a podcast stance like i love this episode from a objective good you know this this was a terrible shit episode but uh i i'm very thankful we we had something this bad to talk about it's been a while i'm glad that we could we could find the v'ger pleasingness <laughs> of the episode together and on that note we'll see everyone next week peace <laughs>